0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good morning. What an awesome uh, time of worship. I really want to hold up. I know Kenny mentioned how much effort went into the whole uh, worship service, just setting it up. It's great to see a packed house, and I really appreciated the dramatic uh, production there of malchus's experience with jesus didn't you guys like that uh just bringing us into a a historical event making it come alive i'm so appreciative of of all those that participated in uh, making that thing happen and and dink really appreciate i know you headed it up and uh, the writers and everybody all the actors i really appreciate it you know we live in uh they call this Screenland, right this is culver city and uh, back in the 30s, it was called Screenland, which is, you know, the, the place where movies are made. I thought, you know, if we're going to worship God, I know we've got talent here on the west side and we want to worship God with our talent. So I was super grateful to see that. I hope it moved you and I appreciate the communion message and, and uh, all those that have uh, participated here today. Uh, awesome to be here. Let's go to God in prayer. This is uh, the day we celebrate the resurrection. This is a transforming day uh, for the human race. And let's pray to God right now as we get ready to hear the word of God. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this privilege of being here on Easter Sunday. Uh, the day we, uh, we don't do it just one day, but particularly today we know is that the annual historical reminder of Jesus' resurrection. And Father, we know that his resurrection should play into our life every single day. Father, thank you. I pray you open our hearts and minds right now as we uh, study your scriptures, as we reflect on your word. And I pray that you will work in a powerful way right now as we study and as we try to be people that live in a time of resurrection. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I have a dog. His name is Toby. I don't know if you guys have pets, but I have one named Toby. And he is uh, he's quite a fun little guy. If you've ever been to our house, he gets really excited. If you come visit me and um, he insists on sniffing every single person before they enter our house. And then when he sniffed you and he's looked for you to give him a little rub on the belly, you know, he lets you in and he's so happy that you're there. However, because he's a little rambunctious, we oftentimes have to tie him up, right? tie his leash to a, a pole uh, in the yard whenever I have a big gathering. At our old house, we had to do this because he would eat everybody's leftovers. And uh, and that was a problem, right? And he would get sick and, and he would do some, some funny things when we let him run free. You know, the leash is designed to keep him under control a little bit, and uh, I know that He could hurt himself or hurt others or get in a fight or something like that. And so as I was was thinking about today's topic of being unleashed because of the resurrection, you know, I started thinking of my little dog Toby how he has to be leashed up all the time. But how happy he is when we take off his collar and take off his leash and he can roam free. And I think each of us can relate a little bit to the concept of not wanting to be controlled by something that can limit us or possibly something... ...that uh, can be a confining aspect of our life. Well, the truth of the matter is... ...the resurrection is the way that we each get unleashed. You know, the reality is, for many years... ...I was tied down to some false thinking about how life should be lived. I think many of us can be tied down to thinking... ...or confined by thinking that is very limiting... And I know for me, I was consumed with the idea of the American dream growing up in Southern California. And yet even that thought can be a confining thought. You can, you can be trapped by that thought. Because the reality is, there's always somebody who accomplishes a little bit more than you. Or does things a little bit better than you. And if your self-esteem comes from having to accomplish the American dream... You'll often be found empty. You know, we all need to be unleashed in our thinking in certain ways. From lies, from the fact that it's not the size of our bank account or how many Instagram followers we have. Although if you have both of those in a large degree, you certainly can use those for the glory of God. Amen? But we find that the secret to being unleashed... You hear me okay, David? Is it all right? Am I I good? Am I on? You guys hear me all right out there? Okay, okay. Dave is mulling around. He's my sound tech. I want to make sure it's all okay. But to be unleashed from these false thoughts is crucial. Thank you. To be unleashed from these false thoughts is crucial as we reflect on the resurrection. And the resurrection, let me just tell you this, is the greatest event in human history. And I think a lot of us don't quite understand how powerful an event it really was. How it changes everything. Jesus came that we would truly have life to the full, a real life. But here's the thing. You know, Dink was referencing a little bit of the Jewish background as they took the the communion. You know that none of the early Jews who were following Jesus had any concept that he would resurrect. They thought when they were following Jesus, you know, you saw Malchus. Um, he was he decided I want to follow Jesus, and he was inspired to follow Jesus. But the reality is, you know, we we follow the, the, the story. He gets crucified, and all the Jews thought, "Whoa, we are following the wrong guy," because they believed. The the changer of society would change the practical world they lived in. They were looking for a Messiah that would change the politics of their land. And yet Jesus had a different plan. And the resurrection was Jesus coming to say, life on earth is different from this day forward. And I want to read a few of the resurrection account scriptures. This one. I love, I referenced this a couple of weeks ago, but in Luke 24, we see that as Jesus has resurrected, uh, many of the witnesses say, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. As you go on a little further, in verse 45, if you have your Bible handy, he goes on as he's talking to them, and he says, it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. It says, go ahead and read it, and you get a chance. It says, he opened their mind. He unleashed their thinking. And today, I want to call on all of us today, as we're thinking about the resurrection, has your mind been dulled? You know, a, in this passage we read in Luke, there's a part where he's talking to two of the disciples. And he says, how slow of heart and how foolish you've been. How come you didn't believe that I would resurrect? And you know, the reality is, none of the early Jews thought that Jesus would resurrect. They thought that all's going to happen at the end of time. But the resurrection was Jesus saying... ...that a new order has entered into mankind. A new way of living has entered into life. Jesus is raised, and so he is the world's true Lord. God's new creation has begun. And their minds were opened. And we each need to be unleashed in our thinking about this concept... ...that Jesus' resurrection unleashes, unleashes us to a life of transformation... It unleashes you to realize this. Let me tell you something. He's the king. Now, you look around, and President Trump is the president of America, right? You've got, uh, you know, Putin's the president of Russia. And you got all sorts of leaders and influencers. And you might think, well, I don't see it. I, is Jesus really in charge of the world? He is. He absolutely is. Now, here's the interesting thing. He has given us a little taste of heaven by, by resurrecting. And he's calling every one of us to acknowledge, hey, this world is not run by the powers that we see. He say, he's proved it. This is historically proven. And I'm not going to go through the history. But there's a lot of it. Much smarter men than me have researched it. And the evidence says he clearly resurrected. His tomb is empty. And we serve A king of a new world. We find right here in John 20, verse 19 to 21. He says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus is the king of this world. Absolutely, positively. And I don't know if you've ever had a prayer time and you ever were so close to God, you thought, Man, I wonder, I wonder if the Lord would just appear in that seat right in front of me. You ever have that thought? Any of us ever wanted that to happen? You ever, like, pray and be like, oh, man, Jesus, can't you just show me? I'm, I'm in all this craziness. can I just see this is actually true? That You're real? Well, actually, he could do that. The scripture, he did it for the Apostle Paul, right? He became an apostle. He appeared to Apostle Paul. He appeared to him, right? He could do it. I, I mean, I, may, I don't know. Maybe he has done it for some people. I've never seen him physically appear. But he could. I'm convinced that he could. He resurrected from the dead, and then he just sort of evaporated into heaven. And the thing you got to realize is his resurrection demonstrates to us that what you see when you read the news, what you see when you observe life on earth, you've got to peel back the veil and go, wait, 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 wait. Jesus actually walked, died, was you know buried, resurrected, physically resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. So life is not what we think. The powers that be really, truly aren't the powers that matter. And, of course, you look at human history, and Jesus has been the most influential person in human history. Right? Our calendars are based on his birth. The entire education institutions all around the world have been propagated by the, the, the desire for the faith to be propagated. The first universities. The concept, even the word university. I know we've got some university students. It means the truth, the universal truth. Christianity has transformed the world, and it needs to continue to transform. And this is the day, the greatest day of celebration. Now, I don't know about you, but I was working on, we, I'm so grateful for all the work that went into today. It needs to be that way. I know, to be, let's be honest, in America we're capitalistic. Okay, amen, thank you for that. We're capitalistic, and, uh, and most of our efforts go into Christmas. And Christmas is awesome, right? The birth of Jesus is important. But you lose a couple chapters, you know, in the, book of, in the book of Matthew and Luke if you get rid of the birth. But if you take the resurrection out of the scriptures, you lose almost everything. And I'm so happy that we're celebrating it with some effort. And I want to challenge us today to celebrate it beyond just today. I want you to celebrate it all week. I want you to celebrate it. Clearly, all, you know, every day as Christians we need to celebrate the resurrection. But I want to call on you you know, we're being transferred, we're being unleashed to a new life. Pick up something new. How many of us didn't start working out when the new year came? New year came, we always think it's the new year, I'm going to start working out. I didn't, sorry, I'm confessing. I wanted to start my workouts again, I didn't. How many of us didn't really get around to losing weight or our diet or get our budget together? Or, or organize some, our office or our garage or something, right? So many things we think, oh, the new year, I'm going to do it. No, 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 I want to put before us, it's the resurrection day, we should start new stuff. It's the resurrection day when things need to be transformed. Amen? Let's try some new stuff. You know, one thing that the resurrection has done is brought kindness and benevolence to this lost world. There's a group that our church is affiliated with. It's an amazing group. The group is Hope Worldwide. How many of us have ever served on a Hope Worldwide event? Awesome. Almost all of us. Hope Worldwide, guys, is Jesus Christ coming down and making an imprint, a little taste of heaven on earth. I don't know if you know, but the history is, it was founded in 1991 in response to the call of Scripture to serve the poor, the sick, and the needy around us. It began with just three small programs dedicated to bringing hope to vulnerable communities. In, uh, it it was started in Africa. Uh, we had a, a place uh, uh, in Abidjan on the Ivory Coast. Um, we had one, a, a medical clinic in Mexico City. And we had a place in India. And now I want you to know what's happened after all these years. We serve annually 1.5 million people through Hope Worldwide. It's awesome. I was uh, on a prayer walk with, with Billy Wynn yesterday. It was great to pray around the building yesterday. And he was sharing how he can't wait. This summer, he's going to Nepal to serve. He's you know, funding himself to go to Nepal... To serve on a hope project. He was so fired up, so inspired to serve the orphans that need help. You know, the resurrection has started more life changing organizations than anything in the history of mankind. And I want to call on us to not just say, oh, I'm glad all that stuff started. I want to say, I'm willing to start something new. Is the resurrection a life transforming event in your life? Has it been? It needs to be. He says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And I want you guys to think about this. He gave his life to show us his commitment to us. His resurrection is our opportunity to show our commitment to him. The death of Jesus demonstrates that we do need to be transformed. It shows us the enormous love that he loves us. So much, he would die for us. His resurrection says, all right, I'm in charge of the world. I made you a certain way. What do you got for me? He is waiting. He's watching each one of your individual lives. His resurrection is an opportunity for you to have a life of impact and making a difference. And every day you got to pick yourself up off the floor and do something that makes a difference. Amen? Now... Jesus gave us a little taste of heaven on earth when he resurrected, right? I mean, I mean, that was a miracle. That was blow away. Like the ear, Malchus's ear being healed, that was a little taste of like, that's a miracle. Jesus walking on the water was, was a little taste of heaven being merged with earth. But you know what else is a little taste of heaven? Your transformed life. You know, the scriptures talk about how we become a Christian. When we hear the message of what Jesus did for us, we respond to that message because of the enormous love. And we say, my goodness, you died because of me and for me. And we say, all right, I'm all in. Jesus is Lord. And at our baptism, right, we publicly say, Jesus is Lord. And in Romans, we read how what happens at that time is we resurrect by faith. We're saved by faith. But it's at that moment we come up out of that water. We're new creations resurrected with Jesus. And here's the thing. I want you to notice this verse in Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. He's talking about your baptism. He's talking about you having real faith in what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The revolutionary new world, which began in the resurrection of Jesus, the world where Jesus reigns as Lord having won the victory over sin and death. This world has its front line, its outpost in your life. You are the intersection between heaven and earth as disciples of Jesus Christ. You are called to fulfill the prayer of Jesus where he said, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are the intersection between heaven and earth. And in time, he'll merge it all together for all to see at the end of time. But right now, you have a mission. You are called to something great. Jesus has called you to something amazing. To not live for the standards of this world. To not live for the value system of this world. But to go, oh, I'm going to do stuff that reveals that you're the king. You're the Lord. Stuff like we did today. Awesome stuff. We can do it more and more and more. I think of two people in our congregation who have given up everything. Who set their minds on things ahead. Two couples. And I love that newsletter that they put out. I'm so grateful for it. And all the leadership in our church. And uh, super grateful for the Knock Occurs. They put that little, that little uh, bulletin out for us. But I want to share about two couples in there. And you know these couples very well. The first... Is Ken and Lena Chow. They are heroes of the faith. They said Jesus is Lord in 1988 when they were college students. And they both came as missionaries. They came from well-to-do families, both gifted, talented, wealthy families, one of them at least. But they knew they wanted a mission bigger than this world's success. They came as missionaries here, led our campus ministries, singles ministries, and then they went out to Southeast Asia for 15 years. Even though their families didn't recommend it, didn't necessarily support them, they said, We want to make a difference in this world because Jesus made a commitment to me. I will make one to him. They came here five years ago to serve. They've helped so much. They've forged through some difficulties. As we get older, we can come up with all kinds of new problems to get involved in. And as you get older, you know I'm talking the truth, right? And they waded through problems, and they have been heroes. Even to have the humility to say, come and help, Stephen Carey. Come and help us. We want the church to do well. We want this part of the world to be evangelized. Come and partner. Come and serve. I am so grateful for Ken and Lena and what they have meant to this congregation and what do they mean to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. They're heroes. But you know, they're not the only heroes. I want to share about our other evangelist and women's ministry leader, and that's Todd and Tanya Spath. They are also heroes. Incredible heroes. They were married. Todd was baptized in San Diego, and he came as a missionary to... Go to UCLA and help evangelize UCLA. He wasn't accepted yet, and he had to he had to sort of do the backdoor entrance at UCLA and he got in. <laughs> Good move, Todd. Good school to go to, buddy. And he met Tanya, his his heartthrob dream partner, women's leader. They were married in nineteen ninety two. And they began to lead. And they gave up the dreams of Todd's uh, you know, accomplished in many ways. They both gave up all kinds of dreams for financial progress in their life. And they said, instead, we will be ministers. And just so you know, as a minister, you don't go into that for financial progress. At least not in our movement of churches, okay? That's, that's not what we do. They gave it up. And they've led churches in Austin, Texas, in Denver for a short period of time. They they have served with all their hearts, sacrificing for the sake of the kingdom of God. And now, you know, they're back here. Todd's a, a, a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist. And he does that part-time. But you know, he does full-time the work of serving Jesus and sacrificing to tell people Jesus' values are what matter, not this world. Amen. We have awesome evangelists and ministry uh, women's ministry leaders here. And I'm grateful, Tanya, Ken and Lena, Carrie and I are so grateful to partner with you guys. I want to call every one of us to, to say, am I living an unleashed lifestyle in my thinking? Will I give my best, my best time, my best talent, and my resources to the kingdom of God? As you continue on, I don't have the verse up there. I don't believe, let me see if I have it up there. Nope, nope. Okay, that's my final point, but let me bring one thing up. In Colossians 3, and I want to close out here. In Colossians 3, it goes on and talks a little bit about how we used to walk in worldly ways, but we need to put them to death. Sinful ways, right? We need to put them to death. Why? Because we said Jesus is Lord. So sexual immorality, not okay. Impurity, not okay. Lust, not okay. Evil desires and greed, not okay. We used to live this way. But instead, we put on the new self. There's a newness. We're unleashed for something new. And a lot of us have been baptized. We we repented, we got baptized. But you know what happens sadly? Sometimes you fall asleep. You can fall asleep even in your faith. I want to close out calling every one of us, those of us that have said Jesus is Lord and been baptized, but maybe we've fallen asleep in that faith. The scriptures say, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You know, there was this um, single mom who moved to our, our old church in the Inland Empire a number of years ago. And she came out with her teenage daughter and she had been a disciple in the Chicago church, our, 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 our church out there, but she lost her, she, she was in her, you know, she was a single mom and she was having some struggles, uh, getting a relationship that she felt like it would meet some of her needs. And so she ended up leaving the church. Part of that was because she ran into a, a guy through business and began a relationship with him. And he wasn't a disciple and she lost her faith. She just, she decided I, I, she wanted the relationship more and she just, it didn't happen overnight. It was very gradual. And, and it pulled her down. She ended up um, marrying the guy and ended up moving out here to Southern California. Well, her, little, her daughter had become a disciple as a teenager as well out there and, in Chicago. But as her mom drifted, she as well drifted. And both of them just left the church, left their faith, and began to sort of pursue. Uh, The American lifestyle that you pursue when you think happiness comes from uh, short-term self-gratification or short-term self-glorification. And they did things they weren't proud of. But when they showed up here, the teenage daughter who had now ended up in college, her name is Jasmine. Jasmine decided, I'm not happy. And I know that there's a church where I actually felt secure. And there's one somewhere out here in Southern California. So she looked up our fellowship out here. And she got a hold of my wife at the time we were overseeing the, the, the college ministries. And she said, you know, I used to be a disciple, but I drifted and I, I just I have not felt secure inside my inner being. Can, I don't feel right. Can you help me restore my relationship? And my wife began to study with her and study with her. And it took her quite a while. And she dug up all the junk and she just was so open and so real. And she was restored to the fellowship as a faithful disciple out in the Inland Empire. It was such a victory for uh, the whole church, for the campus ministry, for her family. And her mom started attending church as well. Her mom decided, all right, I'm going to come. It took her mom. Her mom went a whole nother year attending church. But she didn't feel worth it. She didn't feel value. She had gotten into a marriage. And she knew that you know now she has to sink or swim with how this thing goes. And and, and her husband was not serving Jesus. He was a good man. He loved her. He tried hard to care for her. But she was in a mixed family with a lot of new children. and, And their value system was much different. And she freely admitted it was some very challenging, difficult times. But she said, I want to get restored also. And she studied and studied and studied. And she opened up her heart. And she also was restored to the fellowship. This is our church we were leading right before we got here. And her and her daughter are faithful. Their younger, her son and uh, Jasmine's little brother, he just last year said, you know what, I want to be the disciple also. He got baptized. Because they realized, I need to wake up. I need to wake up and let let Christ shine on me. You know what's exciting is my son actually started dating her about a year and a half ago. And I know he's very grateful for her. And she's super faithful there now, helping lead the Cal State San Bernardino Campus Ministry. Together, my son and her, they're doing awesome. She's so faithful. She was restored because she woke up. And I want to call on every one of us here today. It's Easter, so guess what? The auditorium's more full than usual. (laughs) But you might need to hear the message. You've probably heard this many times, but I want to challenge you. Have you been sleeping? Wake up. Jesus reigns as the king of the universe. And we are called to give a little taste of heaven to this lost and dying world. Let's be unleashed for a life that changes the world. I love you guys. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.